Hey, if you're excited to be in God's house, why don't you put your hands together and make some noise this morning? So good to worship with you. I want to look right in the camera and welcome all of you joining us on the other sides of computer screens and tablets and phones all over. You're part of our online community and we're so glad that you join us every single week. We're glad that you're along for the ride. Today we're continuing on with a series that we started last week called Legacy, where we're learning how to live a life beyond the one that we can see, that there's more to this life and we want to live a life of legacy. And it's kind of our theme verse for the series is Psalm 112. It says this, Good will come to those who are generous and lend freely, who conduct their affairs with justice. Surely the righteous will never be shaken. They will be remembered forever. In other words, there's all kinds of stuff that's happening in the world around us, right? Stuff that can get us dis. Uh, off, the, off the course, right? derailed from what God wants us to have, distracted from the things and the purposes of God. If we're not careful, one of the things that we can do is we can live our lives running after something only to find out at the end of our life that thing really didn't matter a whole lot at all. And, and so that's what we want to talk about. That's kind of what this, the, the question is that we're answering in this series is how do you live a life of legacy and uh, pursuing the things that really do matter. I'll never forget a few years ago, I was. I woke up to a really weird sight. I'm kind of an early riser. I get up real early in the morning, and and when I got up, I was walking around in my house, and that my blinds were closed, but I could see the like there was like a flicker that was happening outside of them. It sounded like large. Um, machine or, or, or like a, a big truck that was out there. And I thought, it's too early for the garbage truck. And so I went over to the blinds, opened up my blinds, and I looked out and I was shocked because my neighbor across the street, his house was completely engulfed in flames. And so I thought, oh my gosh, what, what can I do? So I put on my shoes, threw on a coat, woke Deborah up. I came out there to see if I could help anybody. And as soon as I ran out, it was the most surreal view that I was, I was seeing right in front of my eyes because his house was completely in, on, on fire. And this, the third fire truck was coming down our little one-lane road to get to his house. And so it was like this incredible scene that was right in front of me. He, he was pulled up. He took his truck, pulled it up in my driveway. And, and my neighbor was running up to me. And in either hand... He he had a mounted deer head, and, and, and he was running up, and, and, and he was yelling, socks, socks, can I get some socks? And I thought, is this, it was so surreal. I thought, am I dreaming? Because like, just a few minutes ago, I was asleep. Is this really real? Or like, what, what am I experiencing? He kept saying, socks, socks, can my wife and I get some socks? And I thought, your priorities are wrong. You know, like your house is really what you be, need, need to be considering. But then I realized why he was yelling that is because he, he ran out of his house, and he and his wife, neither one of them, they were in their bare feet. And it was a cold day, and so their, 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 cold, their feet were cold. I said, yes, absolutely. And we kind of snapped into action. We went and got socks for them and, and blankets to put over them. I woke up Deborah, and she was consoling his wife. And we watched almost in vain as these firefighters worked so hard to try and put out his house. That was barely a year old. And they fought in the, as hard as they could, but the, the house was just destroyed. Uh, I mean, it was just a, a, a wreck. And a couple of days later, he, he was back over at my house. We were standing in my yard, and... Just kind of surveying the damage, the, the smoldering wreckage remains of his house as, as he looked out. And, and he, he, he looked over there and, and, and he said, I can't believe the one thing I took was those dumb deer heads. <laughs> and, and, you know, I want, you don't want to kick a guy while he's down. So I was trying to be as positive as I could. I said, well, well they are nice heads. And, and, and he said, you know, you know um, he, he was just kind of staring at the, the remains of his house. And he said something that was so um, poignant that I just stopped and I was listening to him. And he, he said this phrase, he says, you know, you never really prepare for the fire. Nobody does. 
And he, he was staring out and he said, you know, when the fire comes, you just grab the first thing that you see on your way out. And he said, of all the things that I could take as I left the house, I took deer heads. And some of you guys are thinking, well, he made the right choice. You know, you can't have enough quality items. Deer heads are really good. But, but he didn't think so, you know. And, and as, as he said that, as he was looking out, and the good news is insurance covered it. He was able to rebuild his house and all of those things. But as he was saying that about the fire, I thought, that's true. Very few of us are really prepared for something like that. I think really a, a very small amount of us, those of us that are, are really smart, prepare for eternity in, and we get ready for eternity. But, but very few, a very select few, are really living their life in such a way that they're preparing to live for the life that's beyond this one. And that's what this, this is. This series that we're, we're talking about is legacy, learning how to live a life that goes on past this one. That's what legacy is. You have a legacy. I have a legacy. We will leave a legacy. Whether you realize it or not, you are leaving a legacy. And what we want to do in this series is help you live an intentional life so that when you leave at the, the end of this life that you're living, you can look back and say, I have a life of legacy. And so if, if you're a note taker, I want you to open up your worship guide. We've got notes for you in there. We, the reason why we have these every week is science has proven that if you will be a part of this, and this is more of a, a dialogue than a monologue, if you'll write down these notes, they stick in your head. So the, the first thing I want you to write down as we learn to live for the eternity is this. Number one, you need to give your life to something that will outlive you. If you want to live a life where you're focused on legacy, you've got to give to something that outlives you. And, and you're thinking to yourself, well, why are you talking monetarily? Well, well, that's a component of it. That is not the only component, but it is a component. In fact, in five weeks from today, we will give together in our first ever legacy offering. And uh, if you're new to Five Stones and you, you haven't heard about that, you, you'll hear about this as the weeks go through. But I, I want to just kind of highlight a few of those legacy things that we're going to be giving towards. One of them is local missions. We believe that, that God has called us right here to this community to combat some things that are against his, his, his children, right? Things like poverty and, and homelessness. And, and, and we, we just don't think that we're, we're so smart that we have to create brand new ministries. We think that there's some ministries right here in Chattanooga that have been fighting these things for a number of years, and, and they're passionate about that. And so we're going to get right alongside with them, help resource them. We want to be good neighbors in our community and try and help fight these things that are fighting against the people of God. And, and then there's international missions. We've got, just recently got back, my wife and I, from Aguas Calientes, Mexico, and we're going to be partnering with an organization called Children's Cup. And they're helping the poverty in that area, children that are, are in, in extreme poverty, and they're helping them to be fed, but then also feed them the gospel, the good news. And so that's exciting too. And then, then another lane that you'll hear about is church planting. I don't know if you know this, but every year, more and more churches are closing their doors right here in the United States. And still, the most effective tool, the number one way that people find out about Jesus is, is actually through church plants. And so um, we're going to be uh, doing our part to help uh, start some churches. In fact, just this last year, my wife Deborah and I were coaches for a young couple that started a brand new church in Clarksville, Tennessee, Modern Church. They launched really well and they're doing great. But there's some other churches that we want to help get started because I'm grateful back in 2021, some people caught the vision of this church. And back then it was just a vision. We just had some, some, some dreams that God had put on our heart. And I'm so grateful that some people gave to something that would outlive them. 
In fact, I, I think about that, it gets me charged up because in just a little over a year, we have had, and this is documented, these are people that have said uh, through the Connect card that either they committed their life or recommitted their life to Jesus. 95 people in the course of just a little over one year have given their life, made a decision for Christ. Come on, somebody, you ought to get excited about that. About 100 people. That, and one, I wish I could tell you all the different stories of those uh, because every one of those numbers represents a story and every story is important to God. And, and the ones that I know of, just amazing stories, but I just wanted to highlight just one of them today. I'll, I'll never forget, I was in the lobby and, and we were getting ready for service to start. Service, service hadn't started yet and we were right there in the lobby getting ready and this one young woman ran up to me and she said, Pastor, this church has changed my life. I said, come on, that's what I like to hear. That's exciting stuff. And I said, I, I gotta be honest with you, I don't, recognize you how long have you been coming to five stones and she said today's my first day and I thought well um, the greeters are must like they're killing it today you know those high fives are working her whole life has been changed we hadn't even started service and she said no you don't understand like she said right after you guys launched I actually found you guys online and I've been following along on the live stream ever since and and I'm actually in a recovery center and I'm learning how to to get the tools to help me uh, as I fight the addiction that was trying to kill me. And, 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 and so she had this moment uh, um, with God on our live stream, and she was just so excited because she had found us online and, and had been uh, following along. In fact, right after she graduated the program, she drove up. She was in North Alabama in, the, in this recovery center. She drove all the way up to get baptized. In fact, I think we got a picture of, of Esther there. Do we have a picture that we can show of Esther? I know that we got that. They're going to pull that up. And just There it is. Come on, why don't you make some noise for Esther? That's exciting stuff. Now, now here's what I want you to know. I, I'm grateful for an opportunity to get up here every Sunday and be able to preach the gospel. And I'm grateful that we have an amazing worship team that lead us in worship every Sunday. But I'm also grateful for some people that are behind the scenes, that are broadcasting this message so that it gets out in every possible way, so that people like Esther can hear it. Because there's some people in, in our production world that, that may never ever stand up on a platform and be lauded and applauded, but they decided to give their life for something that's outliving them. They're using their talents and their skills and their abilities to get this message out as far as it can. And so people just like Esther are hearing the message. And I'm grateful for those that have decided to live a life of legacy. And the truth is, whether you know it or not, you're giving your life to something. I don't know what it is. It could be your job. It could be a sports team. You're giving your time, your effort, your energy, your resources to something. And, and Jesus designed us to be a people who are generous, who are or, or ones that are, are not storing up but actually are giving out. In fact, Jesus said that you're, you're more blessed to give than it is to receive. It's more blessed to give than receive, and that's really true. Those of you who, who've ever been on the receiving end, you know what it's like, right? You ever, you ever been on the receiving end of a blessing? Somebody just blessed you. Maybe it was out of nowhere. Or maybe you're, you're on the side of the road and you got a flat tire and somebody pulled over and, and helped you out. And if you've ever had that happen to you, I'm sure you felt super grateful in your heart that they were able to do that for you. But if you've ever been that person, if you've ever been the one that's been able to pull over and help somebody when they had that flat tire, maybe it's something else in their life. If you've ever had a moment where, where that's happened to you, you know what that feels like. It's, it's incredible. And, and maybe, maybe you have like this deep thrill that happens inside of you. Because that's what happens when we give. When I give a, a compliment to somebody or when I'm kind to somebody, when I bless somebody in some way, it feels good. Have you ever done this? You ever bless somebody and, and paid for their meal behind you in the drive-thru? I encourage you to do that. In fact, in 
the lobby today before you leave, you can get some cards that just say, Jesus loves you, and we do too. And I, I would encourage you, take some of those, just put them in your car, because you never know when God might move on your heart, and you want to be able to do that, because this is what we tell you to do. We challenge you to do this. Pay for their meal, and then uh, just ask the person at the window, would you give them that card in return? And, and uh, you never know who you're blessing. I'll never forget one time, I felt like the Lord was telling me to do that, and uh, and, and, and so I thought, okay, I'll, I'll pay for somebody's lunch. But times were a little tight. Finances were a little tight. And so I thought, all right, Lord, I'll do what you said, and I'll, I'll bless somebody. And Taco Bell, come on, somebody. So I went to Taco Bell, and I got my lunch. I got two soft-shelled tacos and an ice water. My whole meal was $2.15. And I, then I looked at the lady in the drive through window, and I said, uh, we, I'd like to, like to pay for the person behind me too. And she said, Really? And I thought, come on, somebody. I'm encouraging somebody. I'm inspiring in the Taco Bell drive through line. I said, yes, I'd like to do that. She goes, because it's kind of a big bill. And I said, really, how much? And, and she said, $45.54. <laughs> and I said, uh, how many tacos did they get? Uh, all right, uh, yeah. Um, like For a minute there, I started to think, well, maybe I could, could, could I pay for the person behind that person? Like, is, did, how many tacos did they get? You know? but, but I said, no, 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 I'll, I'll do it. I'll, I'll pay for it. And I, I paid the, the money to her, and, and it stung for a moment, right? And then as I drove off, I had this warm feeling come over me. Because I started thinking, who was it? I, I don't know what it was, but I felt like I, I was trying to do one thing. God directed me in another, and as I paid for that meal, I don't know, maybe it was a dad paying for his whole family to eat. Maybe it was a boss trying to pay for all of his, his employees, or, 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 or maybe it was a, a student leader that was, had a small budget, and he wanted to get tacos for his whole team. I don't know what it was, but I started thinking about that, and I started getting excited about what God had done through that small act of generosity. I have a number of things that have happened in my life that I've been able to to have that warm emotional feeling over. Some, some moments of generosity that I'll never forget, and, and, and they stick with me. But I will tell you this, I don't think there's ever going to be a moment in your life or in my life where you have that same warm emotional feeling about a purchase you made. You know what I'm talking about? Like, men, I don't think there's ever going to be a time where you go, you know, it was that seventh deer rifle that I bought that really just changed my life, you know. We, we couldn't afford it, and I had to put it on credit cards, and, and it took seven months to pay off at 19% interest, but it changed my life, you know, that deer rifle, seventh one that I bought. I also know the room that I'm in, so there's, a, there's like 2% of you guys that are like, no, it really was the, the seventh deer life rifle that changed my life, and it's okay. We'll get counseling for you, but, but, but I, I don't think there's ever going to be a time in your life where you think back at your life and you think that purchase just really changed everything for me. Ladies, there's never going to be a purse that you buy that you say, I can't really afford it, and we had to put it on credit card, but it changed my life, you know? But I guarantee you, the moment that you step out and you're generous and you, 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 you change someone's life, those moments stick with you forever. They, they stay with you. And, and, and the reason why I think they do that is because I believe that's how God built us. He built us to be like that. Maybe, maybe you found yourself in a small group and, and, and you as a group decided that you were going to get together and, and just buy some diapers for a single mom. Or, or, or maybe there's, there's a moment where you decided you knew somebody could be blessed and you, you paid for their, them to have their gas tank filled up. Or, or, or maybe there was a, a time where you, you bought a grocery card for somebody and you handed it to them. Those moments, maybe, maybe you found a time in your life where you, you over-tipped a waitress. Like you, you paid for your meal and you just really over-tipped them. Those moments stick with you. I think about the different times in my life and I think about those moments and they stay with me. And the reason why I think they stay with us is because God designed us to be like that. Now, let, let me tell you this. You were made in the image and likeness of our God. 
the perfect God, God made you in his image. Now, you're not perfect, but I think the, the closest that you are to perfection, the closest that you'll ever be to God is when you're doing that. You're, you're giving to somebody to change their life. And I'm not designed, you're not designed, I believe that we were not designed by God to store up. We were made to give out. And many of us, I think there's, there's times in our life where we want to give, but, but, but we also feel like, man, I just really can't right now because, and you start to think about all the things that you have going on in your life and there's, there's just a limited amount. There's actually a name for that. It's actually called a scarcity mindset. Say scarcity. A scarcity mindset says there's a limited amount of things, right? There's a limited amount that I have, and if I were to give any of it away, that's one less that I have for me, and so I can't, i, I got to be really wise with what I give away. It's actually a fear-based mentality. Like, I, I really can't do more, I can't give more, I can't um, um, extend more love, more kindness, more generosity, because there's only a limited amount. Uh, if you and I ever go out to eat, you should know this about me, like if we go out to eat after, after church today, right, and if I don't know you very well and we're sitting there, if I'm sitting across from you, I am very likely at some point, I'm not audibly saying this, but some point in my head I'm saying, slow down, Tom. D- don't eat so fast. Ch- chew more, Tom. Just slow down. Because I'm a fast, anybody a fast eater? You just like to eat really fast? Like, I'm a fast eater. I'm like, I got stuff to do. I got places to go. I got to eat this thing and get going. I'll never forget I was eating dinner with, with a friend one time and we had just met and we went out to eat and, 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 and I noticed as I was pushing my plate away as I finished, he was just like a, a couple bites into his meal and I was getting done with mine and he looked at it, he noticed it too. He said, you poor guy, were you a hostage or something? Because sometimes I I just like I, I eat fast, you know, and, and and I think it all stems from a place like I had a big family. I've got seven brothers and sisters, and so when, when like when we ate, like if there, the pizza came, if you didn't grab a piece, like there, there was no slice for you, you know. And I'm like, there's only so many slices of cake, and if you got to get your piece before they get theirs, or else it's gone, you know. And I think that bled over into my life, you know. So when I'm eating, I'm thinking I got to get this done so I get a little bit more for me. I think a lot of times what that is is scarcity. Whether I knew it or not, that's kind, of, that's kind of bled over into other areas of my life. And I think a lot of times we have a scarcity mindset when it comes to generosity and, it, and that fear-based mindset that, that pours into our life. Because it, it, there's a lot of different ways that you can be generous, like, like forgiving. How many of you know it's, it's a whole lot easier to pay for a $50 gift card to somebody to buy their groceries than it is to forgive somebody that's hurt you? Right? But that, that's, a, that's a generous mindset, like that I can give generously in forgiveness in other areas of my life. In fact, I want you to write this down because Scripture is very clear on this. Number two in your notes, God created us to pour, not store. See, God designed us to pour out, not to store up. And the scarcity mindset says, I've got to store it up because there's a limited amount of it. And if I give it out, then there's going to be less for me, and that might be really dangerous. In fact, Jesus told a story about this in Luke chapter 12. And he tells a story about a wealthy man. He's a rich man. Now, what's interesting about this story is the more I read it, the more I study it, the more I think this guy didn't even think he was wealthy. Like this, the story that Jesus talks about, I don't think this guy looked at his life and thought, I'm really wealthy. Because the thing is, is he was just a hard worker. He had worked hard. And God designed this planet to work on a sowing and reaping mentality, right? If you work hard, if you sow it, you'll reap it. And there are times where, where you know this if you're a hard worker. It may not happen overnight, but you know that if you work hard and you keep showing up and you keep doing the things, eventually you'll be rewarded. That's the case with this guy. And I think he didn't think of himself as a really wealthy person. And I think most of us don't think that we're wealthy. 
either. Like when you look at our life, we think, I'm not really wealthy. And the reason why is because we have seen crazy wealth, right? You've seen like insane wealth, like Jeff Bezos kind of wealth. And and by that standard, you think, well, I'm not a wealthy person. I'm not wealthy at all. But did you know this fact? If you have a job, if you have some money, if you have a place to live, like a roof over your head, if you have a home, if you've got some food to eat regularly and clothes to to wear, did you know this? You're in the 8th percent of the wealthiest people on the planet. Like, if those things exist in your life, like, like, like you're in the 8% of wealthy people on the planet. And so when we read a, a story like Jesus is going to tell us, or when you hear Jesus say stuff like, you know, it's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than a wealthy man to enter into the kingdom of God. When you, when you hear those kind of things, you, you start thinking, well, well, well of course, it's not, he's not talking about me. Like, when I read that, I think, man, that dude's in trouble. He's really in trouble, and he is, right? But the problem is, he's, I, I should also be thinking, I'm that dude, right? Because I'm in the 8% of wealthiest people by global standards. And so by global standards, you may not feel like you're wealthy, but you're actually extremely wealthy. And the wealth and the lifestyle that you have is probably more closely related to Jeff Bezos than the orphans that we support in Mexico. You're in a very wealthy place. So let me just give you a tip. The next time that you're reading your Bible and you're studying Scripture and God is, maybe Jesus is calling out some of those wealthy people and he's straightening out those rich people, um, just know, guess who he's talking to? Yeah, you and me. That's, that's who he's talking to. So, so this risk, rich guy that Jesus is going to tell a story to, he doesn't think he's wealthy. He's just a hard worker. He's just doing the hard work, and God has been blessing him because he blesses and rewards hard work. And so this man has filled up his barns with a bunch of stuff. And Jesus said, this is what he says. He said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry." Now, before we, we throw this guy under the bus, let, let me just ask you this question, and I need 100% participation here. Um, just raise your hand if you think you have too much money, right? Like, I just got too much money in my savings account. Come on, raise your hand if you... No, nobody? No takers? <laughs> and if somebody does raise your hand, you need to see me after service. I can find some places that we can put some of that. But, but none of us would say that, right? None of us would say, I have too much. I've just got too much money. I've got too much money in my savings account. Nobody would do that. And this guy wouldn't either. He just said, listen, I've worked hard, I've got this stuff, and I'm, I'm going to build bigger barns to keep all of my blessings. I'm going to build bigger storage areas to keep all of my stuff. And now look at how Jesus responds to him. In verse 20, he said, you fool, this very night you will be, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? He said, this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. See, he's just thinking for himself. He's not, he's not being rich towards God. In other words, he's not investing in God's kingdom, the thing that lives on past us. See, this is an eye-opening reality for us because we wouldn't think of ourselves as wealthy. And whether or not you see yourself as gigantic sums of money or piles of money, you are blessed. God says you are incredibly blessed. But the scarcity mindset says, I just don't have enough. Like, if I give it out, I just, I, I don't have enough. Like, there's only so much money. There's only so much stuff. Like, what happens if I have a bad crop? You know, what if it's a bad year? What's, what's going to happen? If I didn't store it up, I'm going to be in trouble. And this works in a lot of different places. Like you would say, well, I can't forgive somebody. If I forgive them, they'll just do what they did again, right? Don't we say that sometimes? Well, well, well I can't give out forgiveness because if I, if I extend forgiveness and I give that forgiveness away, what if they turn around and just do it again? Well, can I just tell you something? What he or she does after you forgive them has nothing to do with whether or not you forgive them. You could forgive somebody and never have another conversation with them again. 
You, you could forgive somebody and never even tell them that you forgave them. Because your forgiveness has nothing to do with them. I'm not even preaching on forgiveness. But this has a lot to do with a generosity mindset, with an abundance mindset. See, if you've got someone, or, or maybe if they're at work, or somebody that you're at school with, and maybe they're just the rudest, most obnoxious, just be honest, they're a jerk. Like, and and you, you show them kindness, and you show them, like, you gave them an encouraging word or were kind to them. That has nothing to do with, with who they are and what they do. Like, it has absolutely very little to do with anything that they're doing, and it costs you nothing to be able to give that away. But a scarcity mindset says, I can't afford to do that. Here's the next takeaway I want you to have. Write this down, number three in your notes. We need to embrace an abundance mindset. An abundance mindset. See, here's the thing. You can either have abundance or you can have scarcity, but you can't have both. Like, it's just not possible to have both. See, abundance says God owns it all. God owns my car. God owns the gas in my car. God owns the breath that I have in my lungs. If I take another breath, it's because God has given it to me. And if he doesn't, he doesn't. But it's not mine. It's all on loan from God because God owns it all. Now, here's the good news. That's a true statement. But let me give you another true statement. God loves you. Do you know that he loves you? Boy, he loves you. I, I, I say all the time, if he had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. I mean, he loves you that much. He, he just loves you so much, and he wants to bless you. His word, it's all throughout his word. He wants to bless you. And a, an abundance mindset is an open-handed mindset that, that brings it to God. Not, he, he, can't he can't bless a closed-fisted mindset. Abundance says, God, I love you and I trust you. I believe that you and I were put here on this earth so that God could get his blessings not just to you but through you. There's an old saying that says, if, if God can get it through you, then get, God will give it to you, right? And that's, I think that's a true statement. A lot of times we talk about Father Abraham, right? Father Abraham. Any, anybody old enough to remember the song we used to sing in children's church? We'd say, Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons had. I am one of them, and so are you. So let's all right hand, right? And then we do the left hand. They had corresponding dance moves. I'll never forget, I walked into the kids' department one time, and they were all doing this. Father Abraham, I, like I didn't know if the Holy Spirit just fell out or if I needed to like call an ambulance for epilepsy or what. They were, but they were all laughing, so I just moved on. But but the truth is, is God said that Abraham is like our spiritual father, right? And He said that, that Abraham, He wanted to bless Abraham, and He said he was wealthy. And actually, the Bible says that Abraham was a very wealthy man. So God doesn't have a problem with wealth, and, and it's God's not saying in order to follow Me and serve Me, you've got to be in poverty. But here's what He did tell Abraham. He said, I want to bless you. So that, there's always a so that, you know what I mean? Like, like God always says, I, I want to do this so that. He says, I want to bless you so that you can be a blessing. That's what he says. He says, I, I have no problem with you having wealth. I want to bless you, and the reason I want to bless you is so that I can get your blessing through you. Yes, I want to bless you. Yes, God wants to bless your family, but he also wants to bless people through you. That's the plan of God. Let me show it to you. 2 Corinthians 9.11 says, yes, you will be enriched in every way so that... You can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. Wouldn't it be awesome to just be generous on every single occasion? Has there ever been an occasion where you thought, man, I, I really want to be generous, but, but you just felt like you couldn't? See, God's plan is that you will have every opportunity, that there'll never be an opportunity where you have to say no to being generous. Now, I'm not saying that means that you have to pay for everybody's bill or you got to catch everybody up, but I, but I am saying there, there's, there's a moment where you can be generous. You can be generous in prayer. 
where somebody needs prayer, and I can generously give my prayer to them. You could be generous in their encouragement. Like somebody needs an encouraging word, and you can generously give them. There's so many ways that you can be generous. You can be generous with a phone call. Just check in on somebody. You have no idea the power of, of encouraging words or just a phone call, what that could mean for somebody. Uh, 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 just a couple of weeks ago, uh, some people wrote some letters for pastor appreciation. They just wrote some nice things. And I'm telling you, it was like a breath of fresh air. The Bible says that a good report like, makes the bones fat. You know what I, mean? I don't even know what that means, but I, I feel like that's what exactly what it was like. Like somebody was encouraging to me, and they gave that freely. God says, this is what I want you to do. I want you to live a life in such a way that you're enriched in every way so that you can be generous in every possible way. And that's not just the bottom line. He's talking about generous on every occasion. And here's what happens. According to that verse, like when, when we're generous, then the body of Christ, like this church, we're able to be generous. And through that generosity, people end up thanking God. They end up praising God. So in other words, they're saying people will, will give God praise because you were generous. But that never happens in a scarcity mindset. When you're saying, man, I, I just... I just don't have enough. I can't do it. Then God is not able to utilize that to, to bring about people praising God. It's just, it's just the way it works. In fact, there was a woman in Mark chapter 14, and she had an abundance mindset. Now, she had lived a very difficult life, a very painful life. The Bible says she was a prostitute. And there was a time in her life where, where she was living far from God. But she heard about Jesus. And her life was absolutely changed. She heard about a God who is loving and accepting of everyone, and she just determined that she was going to find him. And so that's exactly what she does. She actually went to where Jesus was, and Jesus was in a Pharisee's house. Now, you should know this. Like, it was ceremonially illegal for her to enter into a house with a Pharisee. Because if the Pharisee was caught in the same room as the prostitute, they would kick him out of the synagogue. So she was breaking the rules by coming in there. And she comes into the house, and she's looking for Jesus. Now, she brings with her something actually really interesting. She brought with her a container of fragrant oil. And they've done the math that it would be worth, in today's dollars, $50,000. And we don't know why she brought it in. We, we really don't know. But, but she came up to Jesus. She knelt at his feet, and she poured it all out on his feet. Now, maybe that was the plan the whole time. Like, maybe that was her plan. Like, I'm going to get to Jesus, and I'm going to take this. The Bible doesn't tell us. But we do know that she got there. Like, and she brought this fragrant oil, this expensive gift, $50,000. And maybe she thought, I've got to get to Jesus. And, and if maybe I could, I could bribe somebody with this. Like, like, like this was like her life savings. And when she got there, she realized she, she had no one to bribe. And she came in and she found herself at the feet of Jesus. And she realized the whole purpose of me being here is to worship him and to praise him. And for whatever reason, she, she broke it open and she just poured it out. She poured out this $50,000 worth of fragrant oil. I think she realized in that moment, I was not designed by God to store up. I was designed by God to pour out. And she breaks it open. She pours it on Jesus' feet. Now, there's somebody there that had a scarcity mindset, too. His name was Judas. And Judas had this scarcity mindset, and he looked at what she was doing, and immediately he starts, you know, just, just railing her. She, he starts complaining and, and fussing at her, and he's like, how could you waste this? There's so much that we could do with that. And there's no logical reason why we should do this. this. There's no logical reason. You're pouring it on his feet, and it's going right on the floor. That doesn't make any sense. This is the life savings here. There's no reason for it. And Jesus says this, this phrase that, that, that there's no logical reason for him to say it too. He says, don't stop her. Because what she's doing is she's worshiping me. And she sa he says, don't stop her. And then he says this crazy thing that I never see anywhere else in the Bible. He stops and he says this. He says, don't stop her. And I want you to know this. Wherever the gospel is preached, her story will be told. 
This is the only part in the whole Bible that I know that, that Jesus specifically pauses and he, and he says, Tom Watson, if you're going to be a preacher, you've got to preach this story. Like, if you're going to be a pastor, if you're going to be a preacher, anybody that talks about the gospel, anybody, like, if you're a small group leader and you're talking about the Bible, he says, you need to stop. Anytime the gospel's preached, you need to tell this story. And here's the reason why. I believe Jesus knows the value of worship. I think Jesus knows that, that our generosity is designed to be poured out. God wants us to pour, not store up. We're not meant to store up. See, you had an opportunity when you came in here this morning, and every Sunday you have an opportunity to, to pour out your worship. I mean, you can stand up, you can sing, you can not care about what your neighbor's doing. You came here to pour, uh, and you just give it up to God, and you can offer your song. You can stand up and sing your words to God, and you can worship him today. You can pour all that out. And let me tell you something. When you do it, I mean, it's amazing. Every time you pour it out to Jesus, he meets you there. I ought to get a better amen than that, because our God just pours it out when you pour it out on him. Jesus taught his disciples the same concept in Luke chapter 9. In Luke 9, Jesus feeds the, it's the story of the feeding of the 5,000. Now, uh, it's recorded as 5,000, but that's the way they counted, 5,000 men, which represented family units, 5,000 family units. So, so really, most Bible scholars believe this was somewhere between 15 and 20,000 people that were there that day. And Jesus, this is probably, we also know this, it was probably the largest crowd that Jesus ever preached to. And you know, it's, it's also his longest sermon, which gives me a little bit of hope. Because Jesus likes to preach. When the, there's a lot of people in the house, Jesus is going to go a little long. And so Jesus did it, I can too. I'm just telling you right now. Like Jesus likes his house full. And, and he says that the disciples walked up to him and they started getting hungry, right? And they said, Lord, uh, it's, it's getting late. Really, actually, the Bible says, as the day wore on, right? Like the one translation says, as the day wore on. You ever been in church and the day was wearing on? You know what I mean? Like he's going a little bit long. <laughs> Not here at Five Stones. That never happens. Turn to your neighbor and say, he, he's going so fast. And turn to the other one and say, I hope he goes for another hour. <laughs> it says the day was going long, right? Jesus was really preaching. And it says it was late in the afternoon. The 12 came around to him and said, send the crowd away so that they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging because we're in a remote place here. Now, the disciples really didn't care that the other people were hungry, right? They were just, they were getting hungry themselves, and they wanted Jesus to wrap it up. And there's like, you know, 15 to 20,000 people. He said, they're all hungry. And Jesus said something that absolutely blows their mind. He looked at them, and he said, you give them something to eat. Jesus said, you give. He loves to say that phrase. He says, you give. Can you see the abundance mindset? Jesus says, don't look for anything else. You give. Now, that's 20,000 people, and basically they got about five biscuits and a snack pack from Long John Silver, right? This is what they got. And so they look at Jesus, and they say, man, we don't have enough, right? They answer, they say this phrase. They say, we have only five loaves of bread and two fish, unless we go somewhere and buy food for this whole crowd, right? Can you see the scarcity mindset? I've only got so much. I can't, we can't give that away. Have you ever said that? Well, I only have so much. You give the testimony. You, you share your faith. You say that prayer. Well, I don't have that. Like, I'm not that kind of person. I just, I only go to church. See, Jesus is saying, that, that's, not, that's not what I have for you. I, I gave you this so you could pour out. This is for somebody right now, I'm telling you. Because imagine what it would have happened if that boy had done the same thing. Well, I only have so much. I only have this small little lunch. I can't do anything with it. The miracle would never have happened that day. But instead, he decided to give it to Jesus. And the moment that he did, you know what Jesus does? He blesses it. 
He, he blesses it, and, and, and people are blessed. I can't serve. I can't lead a small group. I, I, I can't, you know, I only have this. I only have so many hours of the day. I only have so much time. I can't do that. God says, you have enough. You've got more than enough. And, and I want you to bless other people. And he wants you to share your faith. And he, he wants you to go through. And you, you might say, listen, man, I, I just got a little bit of light. You don't know. I can't do those things because I'm already struggling with stuff on my own. And God says, don't worry about those things. Just give what I've given you. You say, I just got a little match light worth of light in my life. What is that by comparison to a flashlight? Well, yeah, a match light compared to a flashlight isn't much. But that same match in a dark, dark room dispels the darkness. It makes a bright spot. Jesus says, don't worry about telling me what you have. I know everything that you have. Just give it away. Just be generous. Give that word of encouragement. Give that testimony that God's done something in your life. If you do that, when you give it back to God, then God is able to use it. And in fact, he'll bless it in such a way that there's leftovers. You know, when he was done with the miracle, there were 12 baskets left over. I think Jesus just made enough so that every disciple got a doggy bag when he went home. They're like, wow, Jesus really can't. Like, I mean, like 20,000 people were fed that day from a little bit, from just a small amount. And did you notice, I want you to go through the sequence of events. When, when the, the multiplication actually happened, look, it says that they gave it to him, Jesus blessed it, gave it back to them, and they handed out 20,000 people. When, when did it get multiplied? Did you notice when the multiplication happened? W watch, we'll go through it again. It says they gave it to Jesus, Jesus blesses it, hands it back to them, and they gave out 20,000 meals. When did it get, when did it get multiplied? When, when he gave it, when it was in their hands, when they gave it out. You see, the blessing comes not when you start logically assuming, man, I've only got this much and I've, uh, there's a limited amount and I can't do it. He's, Jesus says, stop looking at what you got and recognize there's more than enough. By the way, this works in everything. This will work in your marriage. This will work in your relationships. You say, well, well there's no humility. There's no forgiveness. There's no love. He, he's never doing that to me, so I'm going to hold on to it and I'm going to store it. She's 80% of the problem. I'm only 20% of the issue. God's saying, listen, if you'll just take your 20% and give it back, I'll multiply it. I'll make love exist in your family with the 20%. You don't worry about the 80%. You don't say, like, he's 80% of the problem. I'm only 20% of the issue. God says, you just concern yourself with that small 20%. If you'll give it back to me, I'll multiply it. And you'll watch something incredible happen. Some of you parents are thinking, man, I know I probably went a little bit too far with them. I disciplined them a little harsh. But God knows they've been wrong 20,000 times, that kid. No, no, no. Why don't you just take this opportunity and you go to that child and you say, that one time when I was wrong, I apologize. I might have gone too far. We think it's weakness. No, I'm telling you, God will multiply that in your home. And because you, you, you've given away, he's able to bless it. See, when we hold on to it, when we store it, there, there's no opportunity for God to bless it. But when we give it away, God can, God can multiply it and see something incredible happen. If there was ever somebody that had every right in the world not to forgive, not to give back, not to do um, what was right in the middle of a wrong, it was Jesus, right? Jesus had every right. He did nothing wrong. And yet they beat him, they humiliated him, they stripped him bare, they abused him, and they nailed him to a cross. And if anybody in all of your Bible had the right to say, that's it, God, forget it. I'm not giving them forgiveness. It was Jesus. And you know what Jesus said? Forgive them, God. They don't know what they're doing. See, Jesus was the one that knowing that you could never repay him, went ahead and gave first. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait for you to get it all together. 
He didn't wait for you to get it all right. He said, even though you're not doing it right, and even though there's no way that you can pay me back, I'm willing to go to the cross. I'm willing to take the punishment for your peace. I'm willing to take the abuse for your comfort. I'm willing to take the anguish for your anxiety. Even though that you're not, you're not worthy enough for me to do that, I'm willing to make you worthy by dying the death that you should die so that you could live the life that I was supposed to live. And that's what Jesus did. He didn't wait for us all to get together. He said, despite what you've done, in fact, because of what you've done, I'll do what you can't do. He numbered himself with us, knowing you could never pay him back. And when you think about that, and when you cry out to him, he, he, made sure, he could have done it any way that he wanted to, but he made sure to go through what, what you go through so that when you're in the middle of it, he would say, I sit, I've sat where you sit. I know what it feels like when everybody leaves you. I know what it feels like when you feel like you have nothing and they've all abandoned you. I know what it feels like to feel like you're in a hopeless situation, but I'm willing to love you in the middle of it. See, I think one of the main reasons why so many of us struggle with living a generous lifestyle, with a lifestyle of abundance, is because a lot of times we have not really fully received everything that he's done for us. Because the Bible says... If you've been given, freely you've been given, freely give it away. And so many of us, we, we, we hold, we're holding on to something. We're saying, God, I'd really love to do that. But you've never really received forgiveness in every area of your life. And God says, if you'll just open up your life completely to me and hold nothing back and let me come in completely, I'll wash all of those ugly places off. I'll, I'll forgive all of those moments where you know you shouldn't have done that and you did that anyway. If you would just give me your heart completely, then I'll walk, I'll walk into your life in a way that, that you'll never believe. Like, it's incredible. And then you'll have this feeling of incredible love, and you'll give that away freely. But it doesn't happen until you receive. It's an interesting thing about the kingdom. You can't give until you've really received. 